two cows were grazing out in the pasture when they saw a milk truck pass by. On the side of the truck were the words pasteurize, homogenize, standardize, uh, vitamin A added. Well, one cow sighed and said to the other, makes you feel kind of inadequate, doesn't it? (laughs) You ever feel like that cow? You start looking at others and all that they have and it makes you feel inadequate. You wish you had what they had. You wish you had their talent, their good looks, their charm, their money, their position, their power, their influence, their intelligence. Uh, Their academic uh, degrees, you wish you had uh, their summer vacation home or or even their everyday home, for that matter. Uh, You wish you could have just just one of their cool cars or their motorcycles or their boats. You look at their spouse and you dream what it would be like to be married to him or her. You you look at their kids who have it all together. And then you look at your kids who don't have it all together. And you 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 say, oh, if I could just have what they have. If I could just be where they are and and have what they have, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be satisfied. Then I'd be secure. You, You want what they have. Well, the Bible calls that coveting. When you see something someone else has and you want them to lose it so you can gain it, that's called coveting. Rick Shepard defined coveting this way. He said, a coveting occurs... When our wanting goes beyond the will of God, when our wanting goes beyond the will of God, God has given us so much. He has blessed us tremendously, but we want more than what he's provided us. We want what somebody else has. God is very clear about uh, how he feels about coveting and what he thinks about coveting. In fact, he addresses it here in his perfect top ten. And, you know, if you've been with us for any time, we've been taking a look, a fresh look. At the Ten Commandments. So today we come to the last message in the series. And we come, of course, to the last commandment, that Tenth Commandment, where he talks about the topic of coveting. We're in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. So if you look in your Bibles, Genesis, Exodus, the 20th chapter, and then verse 17. The Bible very clearly says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor than anything that is your neighbor's. In other words, we're not to covet our neighbor's house. We're not to covet our neighbor's spouse. We're not to covet our neighbor's wealth or his work. We're not to covet anything that belongs to our neighbors. Very plain, very clear. We're not to covet our neighbor. We're to love our neighbor. In fact, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40, Jesus said unto them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see, that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. Loving God and loving others. Romans puts it this way in Romans 13, 8 through 10. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now listen. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there are any other commandments, all are, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you want to keep God's Ten Commandments? Then you have to love God and love others. We're not to covet our neighbor, we're to love our neighbor. Now, as we look at this topic of coveting today, we're going to look at it together. And we're going to talk about, first of all, how does the sin of coveting happen? How does it come about that we end up coveting? Well, we begin by comparing. We begin by comparing. In other words, we stop looking at what we have and we start looking around at what somebody else has. Then we compare what we have with what they have. And amazingly enough, often what we have doesn't seem quite as good as what they have. In other words, let's say you get a new car this year. You love your new car. It's so comfortable. It's so stylish. It's so fast. You love it. And so you have that car and you're out polishing it one Saturday afternoon and you're getting all the bugs off and getting it all just shiny. And you look over and your neighbor, it's only been six months and, and your neighbor rolls into his driveway with a new car. And you look at his car and you look at your car and you, you look at his car and you look at your car and all of a sudden it doesn't seem so stylish. It doesn't seem so comfortable. It doesn't seem so fast anymore. See, it happens with big stuff and small stuff. It might be one child in the lunchroom looking at their lunchbox and man, they love that lunchbox and that's the one that they talk mom and dad in the beginning. And then they look at her lunchbox. It, it, it might be a mom. Who stays at home, who's a homemaker and a mother. And she looks and she sees her friends and they're out working and they have a career. Or it might be the career mom looking at the mom staying home and, and you look and you compare. It might be on a sports team where you're playing and you think about how many goals that you scored. And then you look at your teammates record and you realize they scored more goals than you did. You compare and compare and compare and compare and we compare. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, these words, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. That's a lot, isn't it? But it ends by saying they are not wise. They're not wise. We begin by comparing and then we move to coveting. That's bad enough that we are doing all this comparing, but then we move on to coveting. We want what the other person has. Now, in all honesty, this 10th commandment may even seem kind of out of place. I mean, we understand don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, but don't covet. I mean, don't want something somebody else has. I mean, really, I mean, the other things seem so much more terrible. I mean, this is just wanting. I mean, well... You might be thinking, this doesn't hurt anybody, right? Well, well, don't be so fast. Think about it for a moment. Recognize that behind many of the murders and the adulteries and the stealing and the lying is a thing called coveting. Uh, think about David and Bathsheba. David is there and he goes up and he accidentally sees Bathsheba bathing, uh, bathing and and he 
wants another man's wife. He's coveting. He coveted. He lusted after, which, of course, was breaking the 10th commandment. And then he broke the 7th commandment because he committed adultery. And then he broke the 6th commandment because the 6th commandment says no murder. But he had her her husband put to death. And it all went back to what? Coveting. If you go back and read 1 Kings 21, we don't have time to read it together today. You find King Ahab warning the field of Naboth, the vineyard of Naboth. And you read in that story and you find lying, you find murder, you find stealing, all because of what? Coveting. That's why God says what he says about coveting. God has very strong words about coveting. Write down these references, Luke 12, 15. And he said to them, Jesus speaking, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Luke twelve fifteen, Ephesians 5, 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. Fornicate. Listen to the list. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. First Timothy, chapter six, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Very plain, very clear. God hates coveting. He says, you're an idolater when you covet. You, beware of it. Be careful about it. You see, it, it, we begin with comparing and we, we look around. We look around. Happened at our breakfast table this morning. Looking around. He has what I don't have. I want some of that. It happens all the time. We begin by comparing. We move to coveting. But it's interesting. We often end... With complaining. Now, now, wait a minute. What do you mean? Well, maybe not verbally, maybe not outwardly, but but inwardly we complain. Why? Because when we finally get what it is we wanted, that person, that thing, that item that we coveted after. Guess what? It doesn't satisfy. We end up disappointed. We end up disillusioned. We thought this is the thing. This is the person that was going to satisfy and meet my needs and and fulfill me. But instead, it leaves me unfulfilled and, and unsatisfied and frustrated. Mark this reference down. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. See, I don't care how much you get. Someone else will have more. Someone else, it will seem, have better. And people spend their lives trying to get and get and get and get and get. We have the desire to acquire. Do you realize that? Americans, especially, we have the desire to acquire. We want stuff. And how many sacrifice their health, their homes, their marriages, their children, Everything in the pursuit of getting all they can. That's why First Timothy says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not the money itself. See, money can be used for greatest good or the greatest harm. It's neutral. It should be a tool we use as stewards to bring glory to God. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Think about the cause of discontent. 
because of covetousness. People will give their everything for that which is not going to last. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 is what shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can have everything this world has to offer. You can be the richest person in all the world. But what good does that do you if you die and spend an eternity in hell? Now, listen, poverty nor riches keep someone out of heaven. You see, it's unbelief that keeps people out of heaven. It's refusing Christ that keeps people out of heaven. It's rejecting the free gift of eternal life that keeps someone out of heaven. It's remaining in your sin that keeps you out of heaven. And I wonder, do you know Jesus today? Has there ever been a time in your life where you realized you're a sinner, you're undone? You cannot save yourself. But Jesus Christ died for you, shed his blood for you, was, was put on that cross for you, was buried, but then raised again victorious. And if you place your faith in him alone, he will save you. Do you know him today? You ever turn from your sin to Christ? If not, I, I, I beg you, friend, come to Jesus today. You see, that identity, that satisfaction, that security, that fulfillment you're looking for, that peace is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus today. You see, we start, we begin by comparing. Some have done it even this morning, if you're honest. Oh, her dress is better than my dress. His tie costs more than my tie. Their car looks better than my car. Now we're almost like we're almost like a sometimes we're almost like a giant radar, aren't we? Just sweeping, <laughs> looking, looking. We home in. We begin by comparing. We. Move to coveting. We end with complaining. But here's what we need to do. We need to choose contentment. We need to choose contentment. God doesn't want us to be a covetous people. You say, how do you know that? Well, listen to this verse. Ephesians 5, 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Don't even let it be named that you're guilty of it. Instead, he wants us to choose contentment. Now, I want to focus on this next verse, and I want you to jot it down, the reference, if you will. Hebrews 13, 5. And if you like to write in your Bibles, you might want to write out next to Exodus twenty seventeen this reference, Hebrews 13, 5. Here's what it says. Let your conduct, that is your lifestyle, let your conduct be without covetousness. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, here's the question. How do we choose contentment? Christian, how do we do this? How do we live in a world where people pay big bucks to get us to be discontent? Millions upon millions of dollars are spent to get us to be discontent. Now, let me just throw this in. Coveting is wanting what someone else has. Okay? Wanting what they have. There are some things that are perfectly proper to desire and want, but we're not to want what somebody else has. All of our wants and our desires should be filtered through the will of God. We should take them to Jesus. And if it's, if it's your will, God, help me to uh, obtain this thing. And if not, help me not to desire it. But we live in a country whose very economy is driven by consuming, consuming, consuming. Throw it away this year, throw it away this month, buy the new one. 
Uh, you don't have the best cell phone now. The best one came out uh, yesterday. But actually, no, it's actually coming out next week. And the next week, uh, oh, wait a minute, your, your computer is antiquated. Your car is antiquated. Your Bible that you have, there's a better Bible out there now, better study Bible that you have right now. You need to get the better study Bible. And, and, and what you need this, oh, you need that over yonder. Our economy is built upon consuming. We are bombarded with consumption. So let me allow me to suggest several things to help us as believers to choose contentment. And we don't do this in our own strength. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. First of all, Christian, listen, remember who you are. Remember who you are as a believer. You're a child of the king. Hebrews 13, 5, I don't know if you caught the last part of it, where it says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. Did you catch the rest of it? Four. Now listen, here's why. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said it this way in Luke 12, 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. In other words, our lives are not measured by what we own. Our lives are not measured in what we own. Our identity is not found in our stuff. Our identity as believers is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have significance. We have identity. We have purpose. We have satisfaction. We have security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in our stuff. Not in our bank accounts. Not in our homes. All that stuff will pass away. We as believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the holy word of God, the Bible. We have the precious promises found written within these pages. Philippians 4, 9 says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you're tempted to covet, remember, believer, who you are. You're a child of the king. Remember who you are. And then secondly, remember what you have. Remember what you have. You have eternal life. You have eternal life. Now, we have blessings Both physical blessings and spiritual blessings. We need to develop the attitude of gratitude. Instead of the desire to acquire. Develop the attitude of gratitude to be thankful. Now listen. The things that God has given you. Every good gift. Every perfect gift comes from the Father above. They're gifts of God. Listen to Ecclesiastes 5.19. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth. And given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. The things you have, God wants you to enjoy them. If God's given them to you, uh, enjoy your home, enjoy the car, enjoy the things God's given you. Quit comparing and start praising. Quit complaining and start thanking. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. Be grateful for what you have. But remember, now listen, contentment is a process. Uh, Paul had to learn how to be content. Listen to what he says to the Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am there to be content. In whatever state, listen, I have learned to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul says, I learned it. I learned it. That's what it takes. We have to develop that attitude of gratitude, remembering who we are, remembering what we have and constantly be thanking and praising God. Yes, it may be old. Yes, it may not be as good as somebody else has. But listen, God's given it to you. Thank him for it. Remember who you are. Remember what you have. Thirdly, remember why you're here. Remember why you're here. 
Our primary goal in life is not just to get lots of stuff. Now, some people live that way. They think the one who, who, who dies with the most toys wins. No, you still die and all the toys stay behind. We're here to glorify God. We're here to grow more like Jesus. We're here to go with the gospel. That's not familiar, doesn't it? Our mission statement. We're here to glorify God. We're here to grow more like Jesus. We're here to go with the gospel. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteous and all these things shall be added to you. First Corinthians 10, 31. Well, therefore, ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mark 16, 15. He said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, think about it. How much has covetousness harmed the Great Commission? Think about it. People working so much to to get all this stuff, they don't have time to go soul winning. They don't have time to to spend serving God. They don't have extra income to give because they're trying to pay off their debt and all the stuff they have. They they don't have extra money to give to missions. They're they're too much in debt to freely give. In fact, some have been so overwhelmed, they're not even tithing and giving offerings because they're trying to maintain a lifestyle of stuff that God never intended. Because they find that they think if I just get enough stuff, it's going to make me happy. It doesn't. Jesus Christ is the source of significance and identity and purpose and security and satisfaction. I don't care how big your bank account gets. Don't place your faith in that. You'll be gone in an instant. Jesus Christ is our security. Think about how many are in such bondage they cannot freely give and serve and go because of all their stuff. That they have to clean, maintain, ensure, and take care of. You know, some people don't even have children because they'd rather have stuff. They don't want to take the time away from work and making money. They don't want to give up what it would cost to have kids or a lot of kids because of stuff. How sad. How sad. Remember who you are. Remember what you have. Remember where you, why you're here. And then I love this one. Remember where you're going. Remember where you're going. John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Our home, Christian, is not here. Our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Beloved, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to choose contentment. That's a learning process. I really believe Paul is clear about that and, and he experienced that. And it's not always easy. But it starts when we stop comparing. So we stop coveting and we start praising and we choose contentment. Sadly, many believers are like William Randolph Hearst. Bill Bright tells about how Hearst invested a fortune collecting treasures from around the world, art treasures. Maybe you're an art collector. Uh, maybe you collect other things and you know the enjoyment of collecting. Well, he was a, an art uh, collector and, and these treasures. And one day, Mr. Hearst was reading about uh, a description of a valuable art item. 
And he sent his agent abroad to locate this, this item that he was desiring to add to his collection. The search went on for months. And finally, the, the agent reported back to Mr. Hearst that he had found the treasure they were looking for. Well, to the surprise of Mr. Hearst, the priceless masterpiece was stored in a warehouse of none other than William Randolph Hearst. You see, this multimillionaire had been searching all over the world for a treasure he already possessed. He already owned it. And as I thought about that, I think, well, many believers are like that. Many Christians are like that. They forget what they have in the Lord Jesus Christ that they ever recognized in the first place. And they seek to acquire and get and accumulate and find what they already have in Jesus Christ. They forget who they are in Christ. They forget what they have in Christ. They forget why they're here in the first place and they forget where they're going. And they get so sidetracked looking for all these things and looking for the, for the thing that will get satisfied when it's all found in Jesus Christ. Now, listen. I don't want you to misunderstand today. Coveting has nothing to do with how much stuff or how much money you have or don't have. Ben Franklin was right. He said contentment makes a poor man rich. Discontentment makes a rich man poor. Think about that. This is not a matter of how much stuff we have or don't have, what our bank accounts have. or It's an attitude of the heart. You can be the most filthy, rich person around and still be filled with covetousness. Or you can be poor as a church mice and be content and truly rich. Now, what about you today? Would you be honest before God? Would you be honest before him today? Are you content? Are you content? Now, now we should not be content with our growth in Christ and, 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 and our grace and knowledge of the Lord. We should be growing in desire. We shouldn't be content with with how many folks reach for Christ. We ought to be reaching others. But are you content with what God has given you? Or is your heart just seething today with discontent? Are you guilty of comparing and comparing? Are you guilty of coveting? Are you guilty of complaining? Are you content today? So, you know, the Lord says to you, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things you have. Why, Lord? For I've made you this promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know Jesus today? If not, would you come? And if you know him today and he's your savior, are you content? Are you resting in him? Are you content in him and what he's given you? God's word is clear. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. In the power of the Holy Spirit, choose contentment. Father, we thank you for this hour. We thank you for your blessings. Search our heart, O God. Help us to be honest before you today. I pray that if anyone here today does not know Jesus Christ, today will be the day they come and find the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sin, home in heaven, Made a child of the king. And I pray for those, Lord, of us who already know Jesus. But maybe we've gotten our focus all messed up. We're trying to acquire and get accumulate thinking this is it. When what we really need is to realize and appropriate what we have in Jesus Christ. Help us in your power to choose contentment. Help us not to spend our days, our life, our breath, our energy. 
trying to get stuff rather than bring glory to you and to grow more like Jesus and to go with the gospel. God, we need you. This is not easy. We know Paul said he had to learn it. We've got to learn it, Lord. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 275. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. He, he owns it all. And he laid it at his feet. And he gave it to him. The altar is open today. Would you come? Would you be saved? Would you come today? Would you come and pray about something? Would you come today? Would you allow God the Holy Spirit to work in the new life? Let's stand and sing. I surrender all. The altar is open. You come. Thank you.